Check out EssentialHouseRadioShow.com for all the latest information on the show. So as promised, here's the full interview with Blue Six. They've got a brand new album out and it's absolutely brilliant. And we recently caught up with Jay. Follow us on Twitter at EssentialHSE. What have you been up to since your last album and last release as Blue Six? Um... I'm mostly just living life. I mean, I, you know, the problem with making albums, because I, I, you know, I, I pretty much had stopped making any singles, which I, I'm thinking is probably a bad idea. I probably am going to go back to maybe making singles now and EPs, because what ends up happening is it, it just takes to make a good album. Uh, that is one that just doesn't have a bunch of throwaway tracks on it. Um, takes time, I, just by any standard. And the problem is that if you're even in other uh, genres of music, and I'm not even sure what genre of music I'm in actually anymore, but it, but in sort of mainstream genres or, or and such, if you take three years to make a record, that's kind of considered normal. <laughs> but for some reason, if you work in anything even peripherally related to club music, and I think I'm pretty much only peripherally related to club music these days, it's sort of looked at, you know, people wonder if you died. <laughs> so I, you know, I get emails from people like, are you ever going to make another record? I'm like, well, yeah, I'm almost done. But it's just, you know, it's taking more than time than uh, I guess they would like. Um, the partic- this last record took me longer. Like, generally speaking, I think I've taken, I don't know, two to three years probably between records. The last one has taken longer for a couple of reasons. You know, one is... Uh, I'm not a machine, and once you've made like, I don't know, probably I think seventh or eighth full album that I've, not as Blue Six, but in general, that I, where I've written the whole record and, and played a lot of it and, and recorded and mixed it, it's, it's a lot of work, and to keep doing it again and again and again is hard. It's hard to write one good song, let alone, you know, try to write ten or twelve or whatever. So <laughs> but, but, it basically, it's just come down to, it takes a certain amount of time to make stuff and life happens and in between the last album and this one you know uh, one of my best friends died and my dad died in rapid succession it totally took the wind out of my sails i just i just i had started making the record and i just didn't feel like being in the studio you know I, after that for a while i just uh, I, you know i was working on photography more i'm also a professional photographer and i just did which is more like art therapy i'm not I love doing that, but I'm not invested in it in the same way I am with music, where it's, uh, you know, life or death. Do you think it's a lot to do with the way the culture is now? I'm going back. I mean, I used to buy every buy everything on all the 12 inches, and it was one of those you bought a single, you loved it, you played it, you played it, and it was quite. It was always current, and it was you treasured it more whereas now everything's mp3 everything's digitally and it's a lot more throwaway isn't it the music people are just yeah play a, play a record it's in the top 40 for two or three weeks and then that's it you never hear of it again absolutely people- I, I don't you know for what it's worth you know two things two things on that because I obviously this is a conversation that a lot of people have and I've had with many people one is you know, that's not just true in music, that's true in everything. Yeah. That there's, uh, you know, I, like my photographer friends are kind of in the same boat where you have this, you know, intellectual property that can be electronically distributed has been devalued and to the point where there's almost no professional class in the middle anymore. 
And that's where all the, to me, that's where most of the good stuff in all art comes from. It comes from not the sort of top of the mainstream, but not the bottom of the amateur hour either. It comes from, usually in my view, the stuff that I've loved, whether it's whatever we're talking about, whether it's music or books or whatever, it comes from the stuff that would, which is uh, made by professionals, but who aren't necessarily aiming at some lowest common denominator product. And when you, when the, you know, the internet for all its virtues uh, has essentially uh, eliminated uh, the idea of copyright ownership and that in turn devalued everything. And that gutted the professional class in the middle. And so there's tons and tons of stuff now, uh, generally of lower quality, not because, you know, and I've said this to people before too, and people didn't suddenly become untalented. It's just that it's, it's very, very easy to make something and there's no editorial staff in the middle of anything anymore. And so, so there's a glut, and then even worse, because it's been devalued entirely, you can't really make a living at most of this stuff anymore. Unless, so it's the music industry now, it, it basically it works for the top 1% of people, I would say, who are involved in it as, uh, I'm talking about recorded music. Uh, live music's a whole other story, but essentially one big leg of the, one big financial leg of the music industry has been removed. And I think people, at least in music, I think need to stop pretending that that isn't true. Because <laughs> I had this conversation with people where everybody sort of acts like, oh, the arts will land back on their feet. And I'm like, nah, it's not ever going to be like it was again. Like, I, you know, I don't, and I'm not, I don't like to sound like somebody who's looking backwards. And I'm also not somebody that, uh, I, I generally speaking, I'm a person who embraces change and that things change and move forward. And But... There are certain things that can't happen on, uh, without, you know, it's a ca mostly a capitalist world, and there are certain things that just can't happen without a financial infrastructure to support them. So, getting tech too technical, but uh, that's kind of more the that's the reality of what it's like if you're trying to make records and in, in this world and say, all right, is this important? How important is it if a thousand other records came out this week? If if there's still five good records come out a year and five good records came out a year when there were a, you know, a thousand releases in a year. If the same five good records come out a year in a hundred thousand records a year, or two hundred thousand, will people find those? You had a massive, massive success with Tracks Pure and one of my all-time favorites, Music and Wine. Were you surprised by how big those tracks blew up and how big those tracks became? Because they're up there with with some of the all-time brilliant tracks from years ago. Uh, yeah, the whole thing has been. Uh, a bit of a mystery to me. My whole involvement, even in, in club music and whatever branch of, of it that I was in or am in or whatever, uh, it's been something of a mystery to me. I really, it's it's all been somewhat accidental. I, I, uh, I, I initially started doing that kind of music out of sort of practicality. Um, that it was music I could but, you know that I could make and and back when I started music I could make and that I could sell and I was trying to figure out okay well what is it what is something that I can do that I really like that I can actually pull off and that's sort of how how I got involved in it in the first place and then our little branch of it came from me generally not liking a lot of what was out there and and wanting to see if I could make something 
that was true to myself yet I could like that people could still get with and that, that's kind of how that whole thing happened and the fact that yeah like you said that it somewhat blew up but it was was yeah it was surprising to me actually still is <laughs> so when you sat down and made this album was it done like the traditional way did you use a lot of outboard gear or was it all are you are you just completely computer based now um getting the vocalists in etc well there's definitely been less and less outboard gear I'll, I'll say that um I, re- I just redid my studio too, like literally this past month after finishing this record, because I, I realized that I had a ton of stuff sitting there, like outboard gear, that just was never going to get used. So the only outboard stuff that I still use is all the real analog stuff, like like analog limit, you know, tube limiters and, and really I tube. I, I do like tube mic breeze and such. Um, I, so I kept all, I, I basically kept all the like sort of high-end analog stuff that I like, which I tend to record through, but I definitely, and I do use sometimes, uh, boy, we're really getting technical, I do sometimes use real analog bus limiting and such still, but as far as effects and uh, all that, and I, and I use a lot of real instruments so that, you know, that, that's, uh, my, my records, I would say they're, they're sort of half real and half computer right. <laughs> at this point. So do you play a lot of the instruments yourself on the album, on the new album? Well, I play, I'm a bad keyboard player, but I'm a pretty good programmer. I, I play keys and I do all the percussion stuff. Um, usually, uh, my partner Dave, usually, he's a really, really good bass player. And he's actually gotten to be quite a, quite a good guitar player as well over the past, uh, however many years. So it tends to be Dave playing a lot of, pretty much all the bass, a lot of the guitars, and then... There's a couple other guitar player friends that are that I work with that are great too. Uh, Saul Rubin, who's a really uh, not a jazz guy, he's a really great jazz guy. He's like tours with Sonny Rollins and stuff. And likewise, if there's other instruments, this record doesn't have any. But if there's stuff like saxophone or other uh, instrumentation, that'll that'll get, that'll uh, usually be other people because I'm not I don't play any wind instruments or anything. So, so I mean, the albums there's ten tracks on the album. It- for each individual track, did it, where does the inspiration come from? Because all the tracks, are, they've got that naked music vibe going on, but they're all slightly different. So where does the inspiration come when you sit down to write them? Um, yeah, With every record I make, it usually, you know, they generally speaking, my records, yeah, they get this guy, they're kind of moody, I guess. I write from whatever I'm living at the moment. So to me, like this particular record is... You know, I've described it as being. It's a, to me, it's a little darker than the others, and it's a little uh, more uh, ethereal or otherworldly because that's kind of where my head has been at. So I, I tend to, I, I tend to be an inspiration writer from mood. So usually, I'm just thinking. Like, even when I'm not working on music, I tend to be thinking about it all the time. Like, you know, all the time. And eventually, things get to a head, and I usually go and sit in the studio and I and I just sketch out ideas by myself and. Um, and generally speaking, when I get to a bunch, and they tend to be about different things, like I, I usually will have an idea like this, this idea is, is I, you know, uh, is about a particular subject or a feeling. And the ones that I feel like I've gotten to, to a point where like, yeah, okay, this is expressing what I intended, those will get finished, <laughs> hopefully, uh, and eventually get turned into an album. As far as the, uh, the naked sound, that's... I just have a certain aesthetic, I guess, that I've always gone for, which which people either uh, love or or are indifferent to, and probably some percentage of people really don't like. But 
I, that I, you know, there's no getting away from yourself. <laughs> so does that mean you've got loads of unfinished, um, you've got another album near enough sitting on your computer waiting to get finished off then? No, because what ends up happening is I have a ba- yeah, I have the bad sketches that I decided I didn't like right. or for whatever reason didn't want to, you know, to go through finishing. And, um, you know, I, I really have tried, I really have tried, I don't know how successful I've been, but I really have tried to not make a lot of throwaway stuff. I, I, that's one of my pet peeves in music is I don't understand why people put out stuff that they themselves aren't fully behind like I, I've never understood this like the world doesn't need more noise like if it means just waiting another few months then wait a few months you know like especially I have to say club music I, I view as very guilty of that where there's just people will put stuff out and I'm like mystified as to why would you put out a record that's you know half not listenable like it's beyond me there's, there's quite a few like that <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> I, I mean, I hope mine aren't like that, but you know, you never know. There's probably few, half the people could be sitting there saying yes, and that last one. So I don't know. <laughs> um, so back to the album. Obviously, there's ten tracks on there. Is the plans to be remixing some of the singles, um, remixing some of the tracks, and bring them out the singles? Um, will you be bringing in, say, the likes of Miguel Mix, those type of guys, to to bring them out? You know, I have, I haven't. I haven't done that in a long time. I, I don't know. I always start, I always sit there. This album in particular too would be easy to remix because things are at the right tempo. Um, I haven't done remixes or gotten remixes done in the last couple of records just because I don't know why I had some mental block against it. Like I had done so much of that in my life. And also the having the feeling too that you were doing it for a smaller and smaller audience of people that were actually going to buy it. Like I haven't made 12s because the amount of 12 inches that people sell now is is really really tiny compared to what we used to sell on what people consider a success now and back when we were doing them you know people always romanticized they were the ones that we the, the first naked 12s and stuff but the circumstances were so different like um as a as a business and even as a culture as you were saying earlier um and because I tend to not look backwards and say, you know, oh, let me try and sort of relive something that worked in 1998 or something, you know, I have not done that. But I'm thinking now the industry has changed so much that I'm starting to think that maybe albums are a thing of the past, just uh, in a way like it's things are way more single driven. So I'm thinking it might be a better thing if I made more singles or more EPs or for one thing it would keep people from thinking I've, I've died <laughs> in the interim because I'd be able to put out, you know, maybe perhaps it's better to put out an, e- an EP every year than an album every three, you know. You mentioned hopefully bringing some more singles out. Do you think this will be the rebirth and do you think Nickel Music will start releasing again and going back to obviously not as many releases as what they had, but do you think Nickel Music's going to start up back up and uh, bring more releases out? I, you know, honestly, I'd have to see how it goes. It's so it's so much down to where it's really just me and Dave. I mean, everybody's off in their own thing. Like, like back back when um, back when we were putting out a lot of stuff, the industry was thriving. So you have to remember at that point, you know, aside from the fact that we had staff and stuff, we had people signed. It wasn't just like me and Dave. You know what I mean? It was. I felt like there was a group of people all. <laughs> working at this thing where that's not there anymore so increasingly if it comes down to like all right if it's just me and what do i i really do 
keep the label around kind of for my own selfish purposes at this point. It's really me and Dave. It ends up being like, well, what do you feel like doing? So, uh, you know, Mix has his own label now for many years. And I, I, I don't, you know, I would be lying if I said I'm really interested in making like house records per se. Because um, I did, I made plenty of them. And I've never, I, I've always uh, liked the same amount of dance music as of any other music. Like, I don't have a particular attachment to any style and the record the last however many albums that i've made i think i've tried to make records that were sort of not in any genre almost but where they may you know they may be through the uh, the filter of my aesthetic which is why people will say oh that's like the naked music vibe because that's kind of just my aesthetic generally um but I, i don't necessarily view them as like you know banging club tracks or anything i i, I never felt like what i was doing was that do you keep in touch with some of the the old people that you had on the label like lisa shaw and obviously miguel mix um do you still stay in contact with them and do you think you'd be possibly working with them in the future as well uh, i you know in, in all honesty i i haven't talked to them in a while um you know not for any uh, um, bad reason we're uh, i they're wonderful people i love them but uh you know just everybody has their own lives and uh, like Lisa had moved away I don't know where she was now. she was in Hawaii for a long time and I'm in New York City Migs lives in San Fran uh, you know I still work well, like as I have on this album with Aya all the time who I see whenever she's around uh, and Catherine Russell who's a really old friend of mine but yeah the old and I talked to Bruno he used to uh, be A&R at the label he works at iTunes I talked to Bruno whenever he's in town he also lives in California but we, we hang out whenever he's in New York I so I would say I remain on good terms with everybody and talk to them more as friends casually but we you know haven't really uh, worked together in a long time I certainly wouldn't be I love Lisa's shows one of my favorite singers I certainly wouldn't mind working on a record with Lisa again um, if it came around but I, I do view the whole enterprise now as just more a sort of labor of love you know I view music as something that I have a, 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 a kind of substantial lifelong relationship with more like a marriage than, than a job you know so I try and kind of go with the flow and respect that if you know whatever comes to me that's the thing that I try and express and you know I'm still just trying to do whatever it is I do the best I can do it uh, to my skill ability and I feel like I'm in a somewhat fortunate position of being able to do that we have a beautiful studio and I have the means to put, to put out whatever I want and such so I do so do you think you would go back and remix more say commercial artists um, like obviously quite a few years ago you had a few more commercial remixes out do you think that's something you would look at in the future as well well that, that was a product of the time though too I mean it, it's uh, like you know, I hate to keep bringing the conversation around to this because it sounds a little jaded, but the earlier point that you brought up about how things are now in the industry, I mean, ultimately the reality of the music industry comes down to what are the realities of how things get made in the finances in the industry and what it means to be a professional and what things you can do and can't do given a certain you know, time period and financial environment in the industry. And like, for instance, yes, we used to remix a lot of quite big mainstream artists, myself and Migs and everybody else. And there also used to be a lot of money in that. And 
part of the reason why, especially if you were trying to make your own Artie records, one of, one of my main motivations for wanting to do that back then was that if I remixed uh, records that paid well, I could then take however have six months and do nothing but work on my own stuff and not care. And um, that was, well, not myself, just myself, but a lot of people did that. And the environment for remixing records, that's one of the reasons I, st I really haven't done any in a long time. Finan the financial incentive was removed from it like some many years ago when the industry really first went to this sort of state of digital freefall. And, you know, I, I honestly, I, there's not a lot of motivation for me to do it. If it was somebody that I really loved and I just wanted to remix their record as a labor of love and they came to me, I would do it. Uh, generally speaking, that doesn't really happen much. You know? And, and it's hard, you're not gonna, I'm not generally gonna be motivated by, oh, it's some new pop artist, that, you know, it's hard for me to care <laughs> about that, especially if there's not some large paycheck attached to it. So, cause honestly, I'm really not that cynical. So I'm very like, all right, let me do this cause it's where my, my head is at. And I try and be as, as a, I quote myself, I'll try and be as pure about it as possible and not let, you know, uh, other things cloud my judgment. So what have you got planned over the holidays then? Are you going to be busy? Are you got, have you got more promotional stuff to do for the album? Or are you just going to just sack it all out for the way to come back fighting in the new year? Yeah, uh, yeah more or less. I mean, I, I got the new studio up and running, which I'm thrilled about. So I'm gonna, now that I have a really good functional room again, I'm going to try and get in and start writing. It takes me a while just to, to, to you know, to get in the right head and write some stuff that I like and so I'll probably start right away again at that and see how long it takes and um, there's a, a few uh, projects that I'm thinking of working on aside from my own but like with friends so I have to decide which things I'm going to pursue and also I has been we, we for many years I've been trying to get it together and make some more music for, for her uh, which just life keeps intervening for either one or her or me both personally and just ends up not happening but we so no matter what I promise myself we're going to get something done even if it's just a single or an EP or whatever so we're, I'm going to try and start working on that like right away actually um, and some other things so that, that's the plan there and hopefully yeah at the moment I have to make it through Christmas here and I was right before I spoke to you I was literally online like trying to buy things because it's, we're down to the as always I procrastinated and I'm down to the wire I'm desperately like looking at shoes on the internet you know <laughs> yeah. never has your weather started to change over there as well are you getting the snow yet or yeah oh, you know what it was cold and now today it's like it's been amazing we've had global warming has been really awesome to us here in the northeast <laughs> it's like it, today it's actually beautiful out it's 50 right. degrees well you're not you're not in uh, i don't know if that is in centigrade it's 50 degrees which is beautiful here and sunny outside today in the middle of december which is surreal but yeah. uh I'm used to seeing pictures of big massive snow drifts from... Yeah, no, that was like in Buffalo, right? Like a week ago, it was like the worst storm you ever saw. And now if you walked outside, you'd be like, oh, it's beautiful out. Like, it's it's amazing out there. So, uh... Back, obviously, I know we're talking about some of the old naked music stuff. I've got actually got two of the CDs in front of us um, right now, the Bare Essentials ones. Yeah. 
where did the inspiration and the idea for the covers, the album and the single covers come from? Oh, uh, well, that was, was, well, back when we started, all right, there was a graphic designer named Stu Patterson who did all the, all the early, the illustration records. Yeah. All of those were done by one guy, this guy, Stu Patterson, who was, uh, who was a friend of Bruno's and a fan of mine. He actually had liked, I met Stuart after I had done the first Naked Music, uh, there was, I did a record for Ohm a million years ago before there was a Naked Music label. I did a kind of more, I don't know what it was, it was more R&B based, sort of. There was a Naked Music NYC album that I did with, uh, it had Ada Dyer on it and Catherine. This is a long time ago on Ohm Records, and I, somehow Stuart was a really, that record had, had a, like a cult following, and Stuart was a really big fan of it, and I met him through Bruno back then, and he he uh, was a terrific illustrator, and I, me and Dave and Bruno, I've been talking about doing the label because I didn't want to sell stuff to people anymore. And Stuart was like, well, if you do that, you have to let me be the illustrator. And that's how that happened. And his illustrations became really iconic. And then they became so widely copied, uh, uh, which by a number of labels who I will not mention, people who I actually like, uh, but whose names I will not mention. But it was a little weird. Like after we had done that, all of a sudden there were like 13 other labels doing similar illustrations and and um so at a certain yeah and, and then at a certain point you know me steward i steward's a successful graphic designer i think i don't even know what he's doing i haven't talked to him in years but uh i wanted to sort of change the look because you know when you get copied a lot all of a sudden the thing becomes like it almost starts seeming like a parody of itself right <laughs> you know which is sort of how i was feeling about our records too that was one of the things that sort of made me want to not do such clubby records anymore is that I started feeling like the brand itself gets identified as a thing where you establish a style and then other people start copying the style and then at the point where you start feeling like other people are coming to you trying to sell you records that are copies of what they think that you were trying to make in the first place the whole thing starts seeming like this comical eating its tail kind of thing and I just that that so isn't who I am as a person and, and I just it's nothing I wanted to do I really you know I take a certain amount of pride in just coming from wherever we come from and like making that thing and not having it be a copy of what anybody else is doing I don't listen to a million other people records other of other people's current records and think oh this is hip we should be doing that I've never done that you know I try and come at the whole thing from our own uh, mindset and uh, which is not to say I don't have musical influences it's language and everybody's influenced by you know massive amounts of language but people that chase like contemporary trends that that just always seems like really a bad idea to me and and sometimes it can be massively successful but I, I it's not generally ever made things that I've liked and um, so whereabouts can people get hold of the album and whereabouts can people find more information on yourself uh well our, i just redid our website naked-music.com um we just redid the website really simply which is nice and uh everything's on there that has uh links to the new uh record on it's an it's now in all the digital retailers we just got all that together as with all the catalog um so you can certainly get everything at 
you know, iTunes, TrackSource, Beatport, any of the usual digital purveyors, and then Amazon. We are still making CDs, uh, so all the, at least the later stuff, we have everything you could probably even still get CDs of. Although increasingly, CDs are starting to be regarded as a legacy product now, where uh, most people I talk to don't, you know, half of them don't even have CD players. Um, <laughs> so I predict five years until CDs are completely considered a novelty, if that. Check out EssentialHouseRadioShow.com for all the latest information on the show. Same massive thanks there to Blue Six for taking time out of their schedule. If you'd like more information on the group, on the band, you can also check them out on Facebook and also on the web as well, as Jay mentioned in the interview. This has been the Essential House Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at EssentialHSA.